and welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for being with us here today. Well, we've seen plenty of market movement lately surrounding the USDA prospective plantings report, quarterly grain stocks. We're watching the ag economy. We're looking at so many different factors playing into the markets and what is going on with the ag economy. Here to walk through a few things with us, we welcome back to the program our good friend David Widmar with Agricultural Economic Insights. David, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks, Jesse. Great to chat again with you this week. Well, let's dive in here, David. And first off, I mentioned the prospective plantings numbers we got from USDA. Obviously, that kind of sets the table for spring as we look at the acreage battle that is shaping up here across the country. Now, USDA indicating more cord acres, less bean acres. I'd love your thoughts as some of the research that you are looking at with AEI and looking at this acreage battle. What do you see when, when you look at the numbers and kind of get into the weeds a little bit, David? You know, I think some of the biggest uh, implications out of the 2023 perspective planning report is not corn and soybeans directly. It's indirect impacts on corn and soybeans, specifically with wheat and cotton. Big mm -hmm. changes outside of the traditional corn and soybean, and they're going to have an impact. We're going to see um, how these acres ultimately work their way in or out of U.S. corn and soybean production. But one of the things that we wanted to spend some time doing is stepping back and saying, hey, there's this annual battle, but then there's the decade-long war on acres and these trends, and these often get lost in the shuffle from year to year. So we looked out um, – you know, we made nine, nine charts, nine maps to look at this and saying, you know, what are some of the key drivers in this acreage debate? One of them is, you know, there's always this, will corn beat soybean? Will corn be top acres or will soybeans be top acres? You know, when you look around the country, especially outside of the, the primary corn belt, sort of uh, on the, on the, on the edges of the corn belt, you see that soybeans are oftentimes the most popular acreage at the county level so we have parts of kansas in the delta region also in north dakota and minnesota sometimes soybeans are or oftentimes soybeans are the the most popular crop we also were looking at where acreage shifts there's two ways to think about shift where are producers swinging on a percentage basis the most we see a lot of that happening again in the dakotas and in parts of kansas and the delta but when we step back and say where are the acres coming from we just see another trend of of parts of Illinois actually has been adding a lot of acres into this swing. And what's going on there is Illinois is sort of stepping away from continuous corn and we're seeing them move a little bit more to this 50, 50 rotation. So, you know, we continue to look at this, where are we bringing new soybean and corn acres into production? Where does the price ratio play out and how do relative yields impact the equation as well? And I think it's very interesting that we're seeing some of those quote unquote fringe acres. I, I like to call it, you know, that are, are leaning more into core to bean production. And, and one has to wonder, is it, you know, is it ratios penciling out better for certain farmers or certain farmers looking to get into more of that 50, 50 rotation you mentioned, are they sticking to their traditional rotations that they already have when it comes to corn beans a, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting dynamics when you, when you kind of peel back the layers so to speak there david right and we look back all the way back to 2010 for most of this data you could keep going back one of the biggest trends impacting u.s agriculture is this decades-long decline in winter wheat production and typically what happens is uh if we call these areas the fringe or the edge of the corn belt, uh, what they're doing is they're substituting out of these uh, 
smaller grains uh, into these higher revenue opportunities with corn and soybeans. And so we see this drop in winter wheat acres or wheat acres. We see this increase in corn and soybean acres and soybeans kind of at a at a faster clip than maybe corn. And so this is a huge part of that that transition or that trend, that demographic trend that's playing out. It's also, you know, we talked about this before with, with you and your audience. It's also where we see farmland values shift the most. We're mm-hmm. shifting, you know, c- you know, corn and soybeans is a kind of a even, even Steven trade. But when you move out of uh, wheat production or uh, other small grain crops, uh, you can see a big revenue boost. And so the economics have shifted and that's a big uh, component consideration. So one of the key takeaways here is the U.S. is simply planting more combined corn and soybean acres. We saw this in the 2023 acreage debate. We'll see if we break that 180 million acre ceiling that we have in place. But we're planting more of that. Those acres, those new acres are coming from the the, the fringe regions, mm-hmm. if, if that's the descriptor or the sort of the, the edges of the traditional corn belt as we continue to push that corn and soybean productions to the west in the Great Plains and to the south uh, into the Delta region. You mentioned farmland values. Would love uh, an update there. Any new uh, analysis or thoughts you've seen just with the current state of farmland values across the country? Well, we're always writing about farmland values. We're always thinking about challenging our thinking. You know, a couple things. There's been a big slug of new data coming out over the last several weeks, um, kind of summarizing that 2022 activity. You know, we're still seeing some a majority of the surveys showing double-digit increases in farmland values. Now, one thing to keep in mind is slowdown is the word that everyone is using, but that doesn't mean values have been declining. We haven't seen a survey that shows declines. We've just seen increases at a slower rate. And so um, it's kind of like the idea of, you know, if you're hot, just go outside for a little bit and come back in, you'll feel more comfortable. So it feels like the farmland market slowed down. Maybe some people concerned about that, but it's still a very strong farmland market in most of that. One of the things that we looked at recently is where had the farmland values change occurred the most? Again, we looked at multiple years of data. And one thing that's really interesting is that if you look at changes from 2020 to 2022, this is this big increase. Uh, where have those played out? Well, it's primarily uh, like a bullseye. It starts right in Kansas, 42% increases per the USDA data. It spreads into the plains, and then it spreads into the Corn Belt at a slower change, but still spreads. And then we see kind of smaller changes throughout other parts of the country. Um, the farmland story has been really big in the Great Plains and in, in the Corn Belt. Um, but there has been a positive story throughout the whole country. Uh, what's really interesting is if you step back 10 years, like in the southwest and the southeast of the country, they've seen most of their farmland value increases over the last decade occur in the last two years. Now, in the in the Midwest, we've been seeing kind of a positive story over the last decade or a lot of positive uh, elements to the story over the last decade. So that's why we've seen some of these really big increases uh, sustained for multiple, multiple years. With that, David Widmar, Agricultural Economic Insights. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. And you can learn more about uh, AEI, Agricultural Economic Insights. Read through the research that David and the team do. You can do all that online, AEI.ag. They both uh, they have both a free and subscription-level service there. Again, it's all online, AEI.ag. Coming up tomorrow on American Ag Today, we'll have a conversation about getting your fuel needs ready for the spring with Aaron Rogie of CHS. This has been American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. 
I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.